Amen. Thank you, Natalie. Yes, we have made it. Final chapters. Hallelujah. We're looking at eternity and what we will experience for eternity, heaven. Here's the question I'd like us to start with is, where did you get your, your first concept of what heaven would be like? Do you remember, like, kind of thinking about that? As I asked myself that question, my answer right away was Saturday morning cartoons. Is that still a thing? Do kids still watch Saturday morning cartoons? Yes? That was like my favorite time of the week was Saturday morning cartoons. But really, whenever someone would die or pass away, they would always end up right on a cloud, oftentimes with a harp. In that, and that was just kind of informed my idea of heaven. And as I grew older, then I added to that where where loved ones would pass away, and the pastor and others would say they're in a better place and a place of peace and and so forth. And somewhere along the line, I picked up this idea of man, is it going to be boring? I mean, from cloud to cloud on a, do, like, do you automatically, how does it work? Do you automatically just learn the harp and could I choose another instrument like drums or something? That'd be way better. Just this concept of us, this, this ethereal like place of worship and yes, love and all good things, but boy, I better live life today because I'm going to spend eternity on a cloud. What do, you, what do you do besides harp, right? Well, I started as, you know, growing in my faith and maturity reading scripture, that concept began to be challenged. That maybe it wasn't a biblical perspective of eternity or heaven. In fact, there was one moment in particular when I saw an article by a pastor that I I really liked a, a theologian, and I, I thought maybe he was trying to make a splash, but he said the, the title of the article was, Heaven is Not Your Final Home. I was like, what are you, what are you talking, are you just trying to like make a big splash? What does that mean? How, of course heaven is your final home. You mean if you're not a Christian, that's not what he meant. He's saying heaven is not your home. And he was talking about this concept of an intermediate heaven, which was new to me. I was like, what is, what is he talking about? What he was arguing was that if you look at scripture, that the reality of heaven that our loved ones are in now is not where they will be for eternity. The reality of heaven right now in this moment is not where you and I will be for eternity. Well, that blew my mind. I was like, what? What is that? How come nobody told me this before growing up? How come no one challenged my Saturday morning cartoon picture of heaven? What does that look like? And really they were pointing back 
to these two final chapters of Revelation. There's many other places in Scripture that support this concept of a new heaven and a new earth. But they're saying, yes, let's be biblical about our perspectives of eternity. Let's allow the the word of God to inform how we understand where we've gone. You thought it would be like lifting and celebration, this final message of Revelation, but no. Right? So I want to encourage us this morning. We're going to just read most of the, the final two chapters But here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to give us three perspectives, three words that will help us form a a picture of eternity, what this might look like. And I'm hoping, and for some of you, this is a a brand new concept. And again, a lot of these new concepts are are not often preached about or talked about in in church. And so I just want you to hold on to this. You're not going to catch everything, but I want to give you three concepts and perspectives to help us get our heads around heaven not being our final place, but actually earth being our final place. Heaven comes to earth, so... It is, yes, but heaven and earth is our final place for eternity according to Scripture. And then what I'd like us to do is ask a really important question. In light of what we, this potentially new understanding of eternity, what does that mean for us today? How do we respond and live to that, into that today? How do we begin with the end in mind? And allow the end to change our lives. Let me pray for us. So Lord, help us. It's a big, amazing concepts that are new to many of us. Holy Spirit, would you disciple us as we read your word. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's start with Revelation. We read it a little bit, chapter 1 or uh, verse 1 in chapter 21, it is, Then I saw, now remember, just a little bit of a recap, we have looked at the second coming of Jesus Christ. We looked at the, um, uh, the rapture, or us meeting Christ in, in the sky, coming to earth, the Armageddon, the final battle, Um, dealing with the Antichrist and the false prophet, and then Jesus, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and him ruling and reigning, and us joining him in that for a thousand years, inviting all people of the earth that are still there to respond to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And then Satan is given one last hurrah, He is defeated. That's all 19 and 20 and leading into chapter 21. All that has taken place. Finally, Satan is fully and completely dealt with. And then John is given this final vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth 
had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful, as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. The original covenant, the original plan that God would be our God and we would be his people finally fulfilled at the end. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne, Jesus, said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. All right, this incredible picture of us not being in the ethereal bodies, just floating from heaven and in the space that we don't understand. No, this is a picture of earth, of God bringing in a new age, a new order of things. Let me ask you some questions. Do a little Bible study here. Is the heaven that is now the heaven that we're reading about in eternity? Should be an easy one. No. You notice there's a change. Heaven is coming to earth. Where are we? Well, we were on the old earth, but where are we now? Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, we're on the earth now. Where are we in this picture? Where are we in Revelation 21? What's that? The new earth. We're present. Are we disembodied spirits? We don't, are we not flying around with the, are we playing harps? No. Do you see any of that? Are we on clouds? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Okay, maybe some of you might want to choose that. No, no, no. We are, right? We're given resurrected, resurrection bodies like Jesus. When Jesus was resurrected, all right, and he appeared to the disciples between the uh, resurrection and, and, um, and he gives appearances and then the ascension to the present heaven, was he physical? Were, were there any physical qualities of Jesus when he was making those resurrection appearances? There were. Do you remember? He ate some fish, right? He, could, he said to Thomas, you can touch my side. You can touch my hand. So, so Jesus, he wasn't a disembodied spirit. 
He had a resurrection, what, what Paul calls a resurrection body. And he says, by the way, that's what you will receive. And you will be given a resurrection body, not to fly around in heaven, but to live on a renewed earth. Making sense? Okay, we're getting there. Hold on to it. Where is God the Father in this picture? Where's God? He's coming down. He's on the new earth. Look at verse 6. Your body, uh, Bibles are open. Or I'm sorry, look at uh, verse Three, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. He's with them on earth. Final question. Where is, in this picture, COVID-19? With Satan, yes. Yes, Lisa. And where's cancer? And where's hurricanes? And where's mosquitoes? <laughs> That's worthy of discussion, but right, all of the, the angst, where's loneliness? Where's marital strife? Where's death and loss in Revelation 21? It is all gone in this Reality. Hallelujah? Yeah. Yes. Okay, now, this, it, we could really just leave it there, but um, the rest, I'm going to just read portions of Revelation 21 and 22. In fact, John is given yet another picture, just to reiterate, and this is, keep in mind, this is a, a complex symbol. We were talking about this in in, in Kingdom Seekers this morning, that remember these are symbols given to John, and they're a little bit like a parable. Like a parable has a main idea, and if you get into too much of the details, it get wait, how does that work? And I don't just remember that the the the, the symbols are given for a, a central meaning, and the central meaning is that this is eternity where heaven actually comes to earth and we live with God for eternity in his presence on earth, resurrected. Not just Jesus resurrected, but we are resurrected. Look at verse 9 of chapter 21. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit. That was the, this is the final vision in the Spirit given to John. To a mountain great and high. And he showed me the, the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Keep in mind that, that John is getting a vision and he just he's trying to use whatever words or concepts or pictures to stir. Is it really made of jasper? Probably not. He's just getting a vision of just seeing. He's, he's using any words he can 
to describe this. It has a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates, this new city of Jerusalem, surrounded by this wall with gates, on the gates were written on the, the, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, there were three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Can you imagine this, this picture, this symbol, this combination of all of God's people? I think that's where, remember how we talked about the 144,000? How do we understand that 12 times 12? Well, the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now that represents this city, this dwelling place for all the people of God through all eternity. He's going to list some characteristics of this city. And again, just keep in mind it's symbols. So if you look at like the end of verse 21, the great street of the city was of gold, as pure, as transparent as glass. Now, are, we, are there really going to be streets of gold? Maybe. It would be awesome if that were, right? But again, behind the symbol, you're looking at purity and beauty. And now the presence of God far outweighs any, any things like even precious gold, like it might as well be streets, pavement. Let's keep reading, verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and the Lamb... Its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. Can you imagine just from the throne, this mighty stream or river coming down the middle of Jerusalem, the city. On each side of the river, the tree of life bearing 12 crops of, of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will not need, uh, you will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. A stunning picture of eternity. Three concepts real 
quickly to, to help us to get our, our minds and our hearts around this picture of the end. Here's these three words I want you to think about. Presence, blessing, and purpose. Presence, blessing, and purpose. Say that with me. Presence, blessing, and purpose. All right. And I, and I want you to think of some of the great losses. In fact, the, in the, the arc of the Bible, you've got, we don't have the chart there, Kepha, where it is uh, creation, the Garden of Eden, then the fall, then the cross and redemption and the restoration of all things. And so to help understand the end, the restoration of all things, heaven coming to earth, is think about the garden and the reality of garden and then think about what was lost. So part of the beauty of the garden before there was sin is that in, in some way, mysterious way that, that God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. He was present in their lives. That they knew him and loved him. They were created in, for relationship, to, to live life in God's presence with him. When they bit the apple, do you remember, they hid in shame and they heard the Lord walking in the garden. They're like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. And they hid. And then one of the consequences or the curse was that they were removed not just from the garden, but from the manifest presence of God, from the immediate presence of God. And so what these scriptures are saying is that we get back the immediate presence of God, how life was meant to live. You could actually trace, it'd be a, it's a beautiful study of the presence of God through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. Cain and Abel's one of the, fir the, the first murder early in Genesis. Cain kills his brother, God uh, uh, pronounces judgment on him, and Cain is wrestling with the pronouncement of the discipline. And listen to what Cain says. This is Genesis 4.14. My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. Cain was already living life outside of the garden, but now even further from the immediate or the manifest presence of God was his punishment. The story of the people of God were learning to live life in the presence of God. When God was so upset about the golden calf, he was like, okay, Moses, tell the people to, to you're going to go to the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you because I am so upset with you. Moses says, God, no go. I'm paraphrasing, right? He's like, I'm not in for this. He says, if your presence does not go with us, how will the world know who we are? Right? The, the presence of God in the lives of people was the hallmark of their lives and should be the hallmark of our lives. 
in a beautiful moment when, when Solomon finally builds the temple, right, representing the presence of God. Listen to what happens when he, when he concludes his prayer. It says, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. God's glory filled. That was his place. That was the place we were to, to pray our prayers. That was the place that, that God was bringing. Even though in our, in our rebelliousness and our sin, we lost the immediate presence of God, but God's plan was to restore his presence among his people. And then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus says, you know, the temple doesn't really matter that much. Because there's going to be a new temple. What's the new temple? It's us. That we're to be an embodiment of the presence of God. Not fully, not completely. Because Revelation 21 and 22 tells us there will be a day. We're not going to need the sun because the, the glory of God is going to be so manifest, so immediate. That's heaven on earth. All right, I took entirely too long for that point, but that's so powerful. All right, let's go on to blessing. All right, again, the blessing, this idea, and that's from the 22. Did you hear the, the stream flowing from God's throne? And that this picture, again, maybe emerging of the thousand years with eternity and, and our need for healing and restoration, but this idea, here's the main idea of, of blessing and healing. Let me just read uh, Revelation 22 again. It says, the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, was flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the, three, the tree of life bearing 12 crops. Look at verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. This is an undoing of all that was brought into creation by our rebelliousness. That's why there's no more cancer or COVID-19 or anything, because all of the angst, all the pain, all the struggle of our world is undone. And healing and restoration comes. Isaiah 44.3 said this, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and the streams of the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my, uh, uh, and my blessing on your descendants. Now, in the time of eternity, God will continue to pour out his blessing, his favor, his uh, grace and mercy on to us. I was thinking of two t-shirts. I just got uh, beyond this t-shirt. I just got one t-shirt that says life is good. You've seen that right? Life is good and they'll have like a surfboard and stuff like that. Do you believe that? What was that? 
Okay. Another t-shirt. I don't have this t-shirt, but it's life is a blank and then you die. It's not life is a beach. Life is a, let's go with bummer. Life is a bummer and then you die. Do you believe that one? I'm going to go with, yeah. Yeah, in part. Let's talk reality here. Life is good in one measure. God is good. He created a good creation. He gives us moments of joy and delight and happiness and love. It was just my birthday yesterday, and we went to Palmer Lake, and it was just fun. We have a, my wife gave me this inflatable paddleboard. Actually, the whole family gave me this paddleboard. And to, to paddle on the lake and see the mountains and the sky, it was glorious. Yeah? Life is good. Indeed? Indeed. Well, then we get home, and I needed to go to the hospital. Because a dear loved one, right? Um, some of you would know uh, Ray and Lisa McMillan. They had a motorcycle accident. And uh, miraculous story, Ray was just sharing last night all the ways God covered them in the accident, but then there was a brain bleed. And he was losing some function, had to go right away, and they got him right away into the surgery. Life can be hard. We can experience loss. There's pain because of the curse. There's struggle. And we're called to recognize and live into both places. And yet recognize that someday, are there any brain bleeds in eternity? No. No, there's not. Someday. Now, hallelujah, Ray is doing really, really well, but please continue to pray for his, for his healing and recovery. This idea of blessing and healing and restoration, bring that to eternity. And then finally, the word of purpose, which is an interesting word, but did you notice in 22 the, the use of the word service and that we will reign, verse 5, and they will reign, talking about you and I, we will reign forever and ever. Why would this be included in the picture, this idea that God's plan from the very beginning is not, as Marin likes to say, to eat bonbons and watch Netflix. God's plan, he created us with purpose to live lives of meaning that are connected to the greater purposes of God. He didn't just create us to to work our jobs and enjoy our family. All those things are good, but he meant us to live, create, connected to his story. Right now, the purpose is the kingdom of God coming to heaven 
on earth, right, that we get to participate in this picture in the here and now. Listen to Genesis 1.28. From the very beginning, he says, be fruitful and increase. This is called the divine mandate. Be fruitful and increase. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Adam and Eve, they weren't watching Netflix. They were stewarding the earth with purpose. I believe, friends, that all that is beautiful and good will be in eternity. Some would argue even, and I tend to believe it, that we'll have theater and we'll have art there. We'll have inventions and creativity. We'll have good food and, and good drink. Probably wine, I think you can be for sure. And beer and coffee. Right? The, the, there's this idea that we will remember Jesus walked along the shore Right? And he ate fish. I believe that, that it's a picture that's stunning, that's compelling, that we're, we're not simply playing harps, even though I'm hard on harps. I love harps. The, the sound of harps, that's great. But we're going to be creating and living life to its fullness. Some would even argue that there's sports that, that's happening in all creation, that we're, we're living life fully as it was meant to be lived, and we're working and stewarding, but not working jobs that just suck the life out of you, as some of you are right now. But we're working that gives meaning and purpose. Okay, so those create this picture that's, that's stunning and, and powerful, and here's the, here's the application that I want to bring to us. The first is this, that we would look at verses 6 and 7. We'll keep reading just a moment, and the, the applications are right in the text. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who uh, inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. This is an invitation to keep the words of God. That word keep, you can translate that as hold the word of God. Possess the, the word of God. Maintain, preserve the word of God, you're, you're holding it close to your heart. And you can apply this to all of scripture. That scripture is a gift, a blessing that we are to read it, to know it, to love it, to keep it. Verses 10 through 14, the, the angel says to John, don't seal up the prophecy. Why does he tell John not to seal up the prophecy? Because he gave it for us to read. He gave it to us for us to study and to preach and live and reference and think about these words. Think of it from a Holy Spirit perspective. The Holy Spirit inspired the word of God. 
for you and I. And now when we open the word of God, the Holy Spirit wants to fill and burn it in our hearts and our minds to learn scripture. I just heard a leader say, I'm picking on Netflix this he said, boy, one hour of Netflix, you should be reading one hour of Scripture. That'd be pretty challenging, wouldn't it? But his point was saying, do you recognize that we're filling our hearts and our minds with all of this social media and Scripture? Oftentimes we don't read, and we're not keeping the words of Scripture close to our hearts. Let me uh, jump to now the epilogue. That is the very end. Look at the verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done a reaffirmation of the great white throne. Remember, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. Jump to verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life, take it. Drink it. Another application is that in today, we are to drink of the presence of God. Paul told us that we are given one spirit to drink. Jesus said to the woman at the well, using the analogy of physical water, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's saying, I'm offering this eternal water, this life-giving water for us to drink in the here and now. In John 7, he correlates it to the Holy Spirit. He's saying, drink now of my presence. In the, are you thirsty? It's only for those who are thirsty. Are you thirsty for more of God? This relates to another prayer I pray almost daily. As I pray, Lord, I'm thirsty for you. I want more of you. Holy Spirit, more of your presence and power. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being weary. I'm tired of struggling with sin. Would you fill me with your presence and power? You, you promised that I get to, to drink from this well of living water. I'm thirsty. Friends, some of us are simply not thirsty. And we have to pray, God, would you stir the passion in my heart for more of you?
for more of your presence and power. And then look at the, the final application I just read. Did you notice in the verses I just read a repetition of a single word? What was that? Come. And let me read the last couple of verses in Revelation 22. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen. This was a prayer that Paul would pray. In 1 Corinthians, he ends 1 Corinthians with, um, Come, Lord, Maranatha, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. He's saying we, we pray this prayer as the people of God. Come, Lord Jesus. We, we invite, we, we turn our perspective, not only, yes, we, we see the things of the world. Yes, we walk through the pain and the difficulty. We don't pretend that it's not there. We, we recognize the, the, the brain bleeds of this world. And yet in the midst of that, we pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We recognize that there will be difficulty in this world. We've been reading for week after week after week of tribulation and difficulty and pain. It's challenged, it's rough. And yet God says, I'll be with you I love you. Trust that this is not all there is. I have planned to the very day of how long tribulation will last. I have planned what will happen and how the enemy of your soul will be defeated forever and ever. Hang in there. Don't let go. Hold on to your faith. Pray. Trust. Pray me into that moment of hardship and pain and pray with the perspective that I will come. Trust me. I've told you. And I'm the truth, the way and the life. I thought we would end our time with that prayer of come, Lord Jesus. In fact, we're going to pray it and sing it to a certain degree. I want to invite the worship team, but also any prayer ministers, if you would, a few of the prayer leaders, if you want to come to either side of the the sanctuary, and if there is a particular area that you want to pray and invite the presence of God into that difficulty, or if you just want those who love you to pray over you, would you sing this with us? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to invite again. Lord, we, we know that you are with us 
And we know that you are present. And we just want to ask for more of you. More of you. Lord, for those of us that are not thirsty, Lord, we ask that you would stir a thirst in us for you. That we would stop being so focused on the things of the world and invite you into every aspect of our lives. What do you need more of Jesus? What area in your life do you need more of Jesus? Jesus.